This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. Hello, I'm Hanif Baharuddin and you're tuned into the show that brings you closer to the people and places of our capital city. This week's episode will focus on regional identity in architecture, or regionalism specifically. It's not really something new. It's been around in our culture and built environment for the longest time. For example, Negeri Sembilan has their traditional Minangkabau houses, Melaka has Rumah Melaka, and Sarawak has their Rumah Panjang. But before we unpack these houses and how they've shaped our architectural identity, let's explore the theory deeper. Alisa Bernard Ismail, Director of Architecture from the Faculty of Built Environment and Surveying University Technology Malaysia will help us with that. I think I have to go very theoretical about explaining what is regionalism, but I try to become as simple as possible for laymen to understand. Okay, if we look into regionalism from the general definition of scholars like Goodsell and Kenneth Frampton, um, regionalism actually means awareness and loyalty to different regions within the same population. Um, and regionalism actually attaches to the importance of spirit of statehood and local wisdom, which encompasses the system of human life, includes politics, economy, and social cultural values. So in simple understanding, um, scholars like Lefebvre you know, and Zonis defines regionalisms actually based on the three main principles, which relates to the indigenous culture of the community that is based on a particular region, respond to the local realm like topography, landscape, climate and as well as responding to the existing social, economy and political context. In Malaysian context, especially now, we really need regionalism and it is a vital approach because when you have regionalism, it actually can deviate one from being xenocentricism. So xenocentricism here means that referring to the desire to engage in the elements of another's foreign culture rather than appreciating one's own. So by having regionalism and truly understood the meaning of regionalism, uh, it can actually help to portray the country's national identity. And this in return can actually foster the formation of a national identity through nation architecture, which gives back or contribute to the unity of the community and also can help propagate the sentiment of nationalism in today's multiracial society. So if you look into the context of Malaysian scenario, um, we have a lot of ethnicity with variety of cultural backgrounds. And by having a clear understanding and adopting regionalism as part of the built environment, it not only can promote the value of unity or unification, but it also can strengthen the community relationship among the local community. And this is very important under the new unity government because when we talk about the concept of Malaysia Madani, um, under the six core values, you know, like having societal living with a lot of multi-ethnic group and we also need to um, propagate and promote the idea of being sustainable you know prosper respecting each other through great trust and compassion so to me value of originalism is, is very very crucial and it need to be portrayed through the built environment especially in the context of malaysia all right. Okay. So we're going to talk a bit deeper about that, especially, like you said, in the context of Malaysia, because I'm quite interested to, I guess, explore that further. And that's the reason why I guess we're having this conversation. But when, when I was doing research for this particular conversation, I realized that there are a lot of other technical terms as well that are used in this context. And that includes um, critical regionalism and also vernacular architecture. You know, can, So can you differentiate between just regional architecture, critical uh, regionalism, as well as vernacular architecture? What are the differences between these three different theories or concepts? 
Okay, um, if you read Kenneth Frampton, who is actually the forefathers who starts the, the study on regionalism, um, actually regionalism under its umbrella, it has two branches. You know, one is regionalism talking about vernacular regionalism. And then we have another one is more on the critical regionalism side. This is more on talking about a modern kind of regionalism. So let me explain first um, these two things first. Um, the first branch, if you talk about vernacular regionalism, it is actually reflect to the traditional aspects of built form. I'm giving you an example like the architecture of Kampung Laut Mosque. Okay, Kampung Laut Mosque is more like a vernacular regionalism approach because it actually adopts traditional materials, traditional construction, you know, using all these traditional craftsmen and, and it looks more domesticated kind of an architecture to its style. But if you look into the other branch, when we talk about this um, modern regionalism that falls the category also like critical regionalism, the approach is trying to revamp or transform the traditional architecture by looking into the modern contemporary context to produce a more kind of progressive architecture outlook by using modern materials. But still, embedding and injecting the idea of tradition into it. So the example I can give you is the um, Negeri Sembilan State Mosque. Okay, so if you look at Negeri Sembilan State Mosque, um, the mosque still maintain this idea of a traditional uh, Minang architecture, but the implementation and the um, representation of the architectural form is using intersecting reinforced concrete conoid, you know, in terms of the roof structure, more like referring to the horn-like gable roofs, but it's transformed it into a modern kind of referencing. And if you look into the Negeri Sembilan State Mosque, also use the Bumbung Gonjong, but the Bumbung Gonjong is actually uniquely expressed using the structural play of conoids, which is um, the concrete conoids is actually a modern materials. So if you talk about critical regionalism is that we are still maintaining the essence of the traditional into it, but using the modern um, technology and also to suit the need of the current contemporary context and functionality. Yeah, that, that is the two easy explanation of of regionalism in terms of the two branches. All right. Okay. So we're not going to get too theoretical on that. Uh, yes. So we're going <laughs> to just leave it at that and focus more on mm. regional architecture or regionalism in architecture, right? So um, going back to, I guess, um, you know, when it comes to talking about region, um, I think like you mentioned, there's geography, uh, you know, topography and location. Um, so how do these things actually influence how buildings are designed and created. Uh, and maybe you can give an example, um, you know, in Malaysian context. Yeah. Um, as you can see, throughout history, I think the elements of regionalism is there when we talk about building and architecture or, or development of the um, built environment. And if, if you look into the context of Malaysia, um, the idea of regionalism actually had started since we achieved our independence in the 1950s. And the evolution of the um, regionalism into the concept of the built environment and into our daily living has actually embedded because in the 1950s, that is where um, the idea idea of modernism comes into place and then we're talking about Malaysia, about national identity, you know, the search of how the architecture should look like and then the active part of regionalism starts to develop more in the 1970s and in the late, up until the late 1990s, where you can see there's a lot of local architects and thinkers comes into embedding the value of regionalism into the built environment and during this time there's a lot of convention happening, you know, like the um, Congress Kebudayaan, and then you have this, um, the development of Malaysian national identity architecture, you know, under um, ERAS and also under 
um, the government policy talking about budaya dasar, budaya kebangsaan and things like that. So this one is actually where the evolution of what we talk, harnessing and embedding the sensitivity elements of climate, topography, technology, local custom beliefs and practice comes into place in the 1970s and actively in the 1990s. So as the evolution goes by, the element of regionalism is still there up until now. But the worrying part is that um, to what extent does regionalism actually will be embedded into the local built environment? Because we have to actually compete with other kind of influence from international styles. You know, we have deconstructivism from other kind of international movements that comes into place. But but that one, I won't go much detail because I just explaining on the historical evolution. But if you look into the Malaysian context, um, since the 1960s when we achieve our independence, the first statement building that shows the idea of modern regionalism is the National Mosque designed by um, uh, Datuk, Datuk Baharudin. So the National Mosque is actually a very good example that's showing this regionalism architecture because it shows how does um, the idea of uh, regionalism is transformed using modern materials. And then the evolution starts to go forth. And then, um, as you can see, um, architects like uh, Ken Yang, okay, when he designed the roof-roof house in the 1980s, you know, where he actually experimented bioclimatic um, by having this um, umbrella-like upper roof structure into the design of the houses. And then the evolution also starts to go with Jimmy Lim, one of the famous architects who designed the Salinger House, which is located at south of Kuala Lumpur. And Salinger House is an experimentation, like what I mentioned, the revivalism of the regionalism talking about more like a critical regionalism approach design where the building is still using timber structure, but it actually using in a modern kind of interpretation, you know, rather than um, directly imitates a traditional Malay house. So this is where the interesting part of um, playfulness of form and architecture comes into place in Malaysia. So there's a lot of uh, experimentation as it goes along from the 1960s up until now. But uh, we are still experimenting stage by all these architects in Malaysia. All right. Okay. Um. So before we focus and hone in a lot more on the local example, I'm quite curious to know whether you know the kind of architecture that we have seen here that um, perhaps are influenced by other style or other other form of architecture can be considered regional. For example, you know Moorish architecture or Victorian architecture that sometimes you can see um have influenced the buildings here in Malaysia. Right? Can those types of um, architecture be considered as regional architecture as well to a certain extent? Um, if you talk about Moorish architecture, to me, um, I couldn't consider Moorish architecture as a regional architecture because mm-hmm. Moorish architecture is actually comes from the uh, Middle Eastern part where we adopted it into like you have the dome design and things like that in terms of the arches. But the, the best part is that um, because Moorish architecture, when it comes to Malaysia, um, it was actually brought by the PWD British architects who actually settled down, I think, in the 1960s, where you can see there's lot, uh, the railway station, you know, there's a lot of building in Kuala Lumpur has that um, resemblance of Moorish architecture. But the, the smart part of this uh, public works department British architect is that they marinate with the local climate. 
So they they just borrow the main characteristic like the onion domes, you know, the the arches and things like that. But then they marinate with the local climate things, you know, like they have big um huge um veranda design and then they have like a uh, big windows to allow ventilation to comes in. So this is what 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 I call is that blending, you know, when you have the main element characteristic but you blend with the local elements like the local climate, you know, the genius loci the local context because try to get the um what you call it the feeling of sense of place that it is located in in Malaysia so this is where what i'm saying is that Moorish architecture style it has its own characteristic but when it was brought into Malaysia it was blended with the local context and the element of regional is there you know that mm-hmm. sense in that sense even though it is not that still obvious but you can actually see in terms of of the design of the buildings the location and things like that so the most important thing that you have to understand when we talk about regional architecture regionalism is that the building must actually show climatic and environment responsiveness so that is the most important thing if it has that element um, respond towards the local context then it has this regional identity elements into it That was Ali Sabrina Ismail, Director of Architecture from the Faculty of Built Environment and Surveying University Technology Malaysia talking about regional architecture. We're going to make way for some messages. Stay tuned. I'm Hanif Baharudin and you're listening to I Love KL on BFM 89.9. BFM 89.9, listening to I Love KL, bringing you closer to the people and places of our capital city. I'm Hanif Baharudin. Joining me on the show today via Zencaster is Alisa Bruna Ismail, Director of Architecture from the Faculty of Built Environment and Surveying University Technology Malaysia. We've been talking about regional architecture or regionalism in architecture and we cannot talk about regional architecture without looking back at the various types of traditional houses that exist across different states in Malaysia. How do these houses come about and how did they respond to the local climate and context? Alice explains. Okay, if you look at the beauty of the traditional Malay houses, I know we have different region. Like in Johor, the famous one is the Bukis House, and then if you go to Negeri Sembilan, <coughs> it is Minang Kabau's house, Minang's house, right? Um, and you go to Melaka, you have Malacan architecture style for the traditional houses. But but the beauty part of all of these traditional houses is that it it shows climatic and environment responsiveness, and it actually shows this idea that it's response to the local. Customs and adat or tradition, and each tradition is actually unique on its own. So, if you look at how traditional um, Minang house was designed, even in terms of the design of the staircase, you know, the veranda, it has this anthropometrics that is actually according to the custom and adat of the Minang people, you know. And if you go to Bugis house in Johor, they have following this adat of the Bugis people also, the Bugis community or society. So, this is where when we talk about regional comes into place. Because when you talk about regionalism, the most important thing is that appreciating the local custom and tradition and embedding it into the architecture itself, and the architecture will be will create something distinctive, what I call local distinctive identity, that is actually empowering this feeling of people architecture, community architecture, and this is the essence that you can give into the building where it shows the idea of sense of place, you know, sense of space, and make 
the community and the people belong to that architecture and belong to the house and things like that. So this is the beauty part of it that has in the traditional Malay house. You know, because traditional Malay house, if you look at the identity, it's, it's very, very clear in terms of the design that reflect a very, very different customs and tradition of, of each community and society, like the Perak house, you know, the Malacca house, the Johor Bugis house and things like that. So in, in this sense, um, it look back into the idea of the house become a genius loci, you know, uh, where when you talk about genius loci is that designing a building of knowing like a people architecture, you know, so society architecture in that sense. So this is where you can't find in modern houses, Hanif. So because modern houses is the opposite and modern houses doesn't have this own identity on its own because it's replicated is this is replicated by the developers throughout the country it has the same layout, you know, the same scale, the same size. But traditional house is unique on its own. And that's why I always feel that when 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 we talk about architecture, refer to the traditional house because traditional house is a genius loci by itself that follows this feeling of spirit of time and spirit of place. And the element of regionalism is very very strongly shown. Mm. All right. Um. I mean, I don't think we have the time to be able to get into all the different types of traditional yes. uh, houses <laughs> and and I guess explore the unique characteristics. But maybe you can give a bit of example of like for example, you know, a Minangkabau house, you know. How did that come about, you know, and, you know, maybe compared to a Malaccan style house, you know, and how did that come about, you know, in terms of talking about different regions, right? Because, you know, these are all states in Malaysia and yet, you know, a Minangkabau house is vastly different from a Malaccan house, you know? Yeah, the the most um, important thing when you talk about the Minangkabau house that is really different is in terms of the roof. You know, because Minangkabau is actually resemble, you know, the tanduk lembu, the the horn, yeah, the horn. So that's why you can see the way of the lengko of the bumbung. You call it bumbung, bumbung gonjong. Is the roof system is also a bit different because it reflects the culture. But if you look at the Malacca traditional house, is that the most important thing is the staircase. You know, the stairs that mm. welcomes the visitors. It has a very beautiful ornate staircase that actually put. Um, decorated by tiles, you know, and the tiles is so unique. And there's an element, Chinese elements into it. Because last time, maybe if you can see all the crafts, uh, craftsmen in, in Malacca is actually uh, imported from China and things like that. So they have the Chinese influence into the, the traditional uh, Malacca house. So this is what I see when, when, I, when, when you see the comparative analysis of, of these traditional houses is the identity and the outlook. That's what makes it special because the house is actually built according to the custom and tradition of its own place where it belongs to and where the society belongs to. So the, the one that I said mentioned earlier that this is actually not present in the modern houses. So traditional houses is unique on its own. So I won't go detailed because in terms of the planning layout, it's also not the same. Like the Minang house, they have their own system of anthropometric in terms of spatial organization of arranging the spaces, like between the rumah ibu, the rumah dapo, you know, and then you have the um, courtyards and things like that. And then you have the bedrooms and then you have the loteng, you know. Uh, so this is where the design differs. And when you talk about traditional Malay house also, the difference not only because of the custom and the tradition, but also because of the patronage or the owner of the house. You know, if the owner of the house is somebody aristocratic, you know, like bangsawan people, you know, from um, rich families or have a very strong influential in society, the design of the house is also different. 
you know so so this is special in in a way that 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 it reflects the society the identity and things like that so this what makes racial house regional to its region yeah that's mm. it you you made a comparison earlier uh, between how um, these values or these uh, guest concepts are no longer practiced in all the modern houses that we see uh, these days, right? Um, why is that the case? Uh, why didn't we adopt or, you know, carry the kind of thinking that we had back then into the modern world, you know, when it comes to, I guess, designing our houses these days? You know, why is there a lack of sensitivity towards, you know, um, not only... I guess regional architecture for the sake of identity, but also for the sake of its practicality. Um, okay, I mean, there's a lot of factors involved into it. Um, if if you if you want to discuss about the problem design of modern housing typologies, um, there's a lot of factors like economy factors comes into place, and then maybe because of policymakers, you know, and also designers' awareness in terms of design and things like that. Um, but what I would like to stress here is that um, in terms of imparting the knowledge. So um, when we talk about designing modern houses, you know, um, the most important thing is that they want everything to be quick and done uh, within a, a, within a, a, a period of time. So this is actually when you talk about costing comes into place, you know, and then awareness of the designers and then time frame for construction and things like that. So, but if you look at the modern houses nowadays, um, what I'm saying is not not all. There are some modern houses typologies who actually try to embed this idea of um, traditional Malay house kind of a concept of regionalism into the design, like where we have the eco house, you know, like in Johor, we have this uh, eco house design and things like that. They are still experimenting, but um, it's it's not perfect. You know, because when you talk about modern homes living, it's all like um, you have to live in a row house. Like if you have live in a traditional Malay house, it's one domesticated, one single unit housing, which is easy to design and easy to cater. But if you have like this row kind of a houses, sometimes you have to think about setbacks. You no, know? you have to think about limited land space and things like that. But still, whatever it is, the experimentation still can be done. You know, maybe like introducing all the sustainability design elements into it that the most important thing that the easiest one is that responding to the climate. So responding to the climate like these modern houses, you can actually introduce um, inner courtyards, you know, you can have um, jack roof to allow ventilation to come in. So these are all the elements of regional because regional is talking about responding to the climatic context, to the existing topography. And we can do that actually. And and I think it needs a lot of effort from local designers, from local developers to actually venture into types of different, different design that actually how to come up with the um, modern housing typology that respond to the climate, to the site and to the cultural needs. So then at the end of the day, the design of the modern typology houses will have a unique identity on its own. So it will not become a duplicate kind of a typology that is same everywhere. You go in Malacca, that is the same set of houses. You go to Johor, that's the same set of houses. Okay. So this is where I think the smart thinking and approaches has to move among the local thinkers and also the local architectural designers, developers, policy makers, and also the public also. So this is more like a holistic kind of uh, thinking from all sides of, of society. Mm. Do you think that, I mean, these days it sounds like we're a bit more pragmatic and practical rather than, I guess, romantic, I suppose, when it comes to adopting or 
picking the way we design our buildings, I suppose, you know, compared to, because because at the end of the day, like you said, you know, there are there are other, I guess, factors that influence it as well, to be fair. But but at the same time, yeah, we, we tend to prioritize practicality over 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 identity, I suppose, you know. And I don't know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing necessarily, because I mean, on one hand, you know, in terms of, I guess, economic cost, it might be a good thing. But on the other, in terms of identity, and also talking about responding to our local climate and whatnot, um, we might have neglected that, I suppose. Yeah, it is because I think this goes back to to the the sense of awareness of the society. You know, if if you have a very strong sense of awareness and and saying that um, there's something need to be done with the way how we live in 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 the community, and are we are we actually um, feel comfortable with what whatever the things that we have now, or we need to improve for the for the better? So this is where I think. Um, you have to look back on on how we live in in, in as, as a society in the built environment. So to me, when it talks about functionality, yes, economy plays an important role. You know, sometimes limited land of space they, is there. But at the end of the day, you have to think out of the box. You know, you have to think out of the box. You have to be creative and you have to be critical minded and try to come up with something that is actually con- contributes significantly to the development of the nation. And if you look into regionalism, I know it's just a basic concept, talking about built environment that respond to climate, respond to culture. But at the end of the day, the essence is very, very strong. Because if you look into fostering regionalism, it actually can develop and change a country. And it actually can develop a society. Because when you portray regionalism approach in the built environment that is referencing to the local ethnic, cultural or religious belief, it will potentially evoke the nationalistic sentiments among the masses. And this is, is very, very important, especially when you live in a multi-ethnic culture society. And you will have this sense of belonging, you know, sense of belonging to a certain um, community, to a certain country and things like that. So I think, yeah, it goes back to the sense of awareness of the society. Yeah, how, how will that take shape in a more modern context? You know, and um, again, you know, based on what you said right now, our society has evolved. It has become a bit more diversified. It has become a bit more plural. How, how does regionalism evolve in that sense as well, you know, to accommodate a more diversified, I guess, society as opposed to a more, a more plural society, you know? Yeah, because if you see in the in the 1960s when regionalism was brought in um, into Malaysia, um, the evolution starts to grow, you know, up until the the modern context. Um, but but then um, I think it goes back to the sense of awareness of the society, you know, um, because we are still lacking in terms of writings, in terms of publication, in terms of research, um, also in terms of documenting um, what is actually regionalism architecture and, and how does regionalism architecture can contribute to the development of Malaysian society. And there is not much um, research has been done. So I think it, it's more like a bottom-up kind of an approach rather than a top-down kind of an approach. Because to educate the society, it has to go from below, you know, from 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 the academician, from students, from um, professionals, from developers, and then it goes up. Then it can change and, and, and for the sake of the progress of the country. So this is this is very important in that sense. When I when I see the word like fostering regionalism, it it plays a bigger vast role, and everybody plays an important role into it, and and how actually to promote and propagate it in society. 
yeah, not only in the built environment, but because we talk about uh, fostering regionalism, it's also like respecting culture. And at the end of the day, you will find your national identity on its own in that sense. All right. Yeah. Um. Just to end this conversation, uh, are you optimistic that um we're able to perhaps go back to our roots, I suppose, or or you know, based on your observation of the architecture world in terms of the realities of it outside, and also you know, in uh, in your role as an uh, as an educator in the academic world, you know, do you, do you think that we are able to go back go back to our roots to a certain extent? Yeah. Yes, I think Malaysia has has a very bright future ahead. Um, and and if you look into Malaysian context, we have multi ethnic society, you know, um, and then we have we are very very rich in culture. We are very rich in heritage, and um, I think the prospect is there. Uh, we have a very bright future ahead. And I think in terms of the built environment, because the evolution keeps changing, and what the what is the most important thing is that, like I said before, the sense of awareness, you know, the sense of embedding the values and the knowledge of understanding your own identity, respecting your own national identity. That all actually from the roots of regionalism approach. So I I think the the score is there. But it actually needs a lot of effort from different levels of society. So that that is the most important thing, which is at the professional level, you know, um, at the society level, and also at the policymakers level. So everyone plays a major role in 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 actually propagating and actually try to promote regionalism, because without regionalism, we actually cannot evoke the feeling of nationalistic sentiments, and we cannot actually find our own national identity, especially in our built environment. You've been tuning in to I Love KL and that was Ali Sarbanan Ismail, Director of Architecture from the Faculty of Built Environment and Surveying University Technology Malaysia and she's been talking about regional architecture. That's all we have for this episode of I Love KL. If you missed any part of the show, you can check out the podcast at bfm.my slash ilovekl. Our app you can find via Google Play and the App Store and you can also find this podcast and many others on Spotify. Don't forget to also follow the station on Twitter at BFM Radio. My name is Anif Baharudin you have been tuning in to I Love KL bringing you closer to the people and places of our capital city. Join us again next week only on BFM 89.9 The Business Station. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9 The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.